Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? We hope you enjoyed your weekend. It is Monday. It is time for Let's Talk Sports. I'm Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. A little bit of shuffling here today with some of the peeps that are up in the studio with me uh, because we are actually going to be preempted on Wednesday due to Major League Baseball coverage. And so uh, we're sliding the Wednesday guy over into the Monday seat here. Uh, it is a BTS Monday, effectively. My man, Billy Hull, Billy Talk Sports. Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertising in the house. Thanks for making the adjustment there. You're you're wearing your Seattle Seahawks shirt. You're very much showing off your team pride. Of course, they defeated my Detroit Lions. This is already getting off to a very contentious start here, um, but no hard feelings. Um, congrats on the victory. Oh, thanks. Hey, what a great game. Hey, good job by the Red Zone, by the way. We were texting back and forth <laughs> like, I, okay, I get we can watch. Like, if we wanted to watch the Bills-Ravens game, we'd go watch the Bills-Ravens game. Is anybody paying attention to the shootout in Detroit? It sounded like it was a lot of fun. I wish I got to see more of it yeah did you see there's like this um this twitter account called scorigami and basically it uh, points out whenever there is a unique final score in the nfl and the seahawks lions game provided a unique final score was what 48 45 the final and like that score has never occurred in uh, the NFL before, like which is kind of befuddling. I'm sure we've seen it at the college level a few times, but uh, yeah. So that was that was a scorigami game, and the uh, Red Zone Network still didn't give it the appropriate coverage. Exactly. I was a little surprised by that because usually those scorigami games are like I don't know, 11 to four, or like you know, some yeah. weird thing. 48, 45 isn't completely out of the realm, but uh, yeah, I guess when you got two teams with uh, those defenses, apparently um, it makes for some crazy games. But uh, Geno Smith, huh? Not a pretty good outing. But does it count if it's against the Detroit Lions defense? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the other win was against the Broncos. What is that? In week one, um, you can say what you want about that. Uh, maybe we'll get into that here in, in just a little bit. I do want to congratulate you, though, but let me take care of some some housekeeping first. Anybody that wants to call in, you can do so, 808-296-1420. Text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, we got Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser in here. We're guest-free today because there's just so much to unload and so much to break down from the weekend. We got Josh Pacheco as well, fielding your calls and working the board. Uh, but I do want to congratulate you because uh, you've had a fine week. Just a fine week when it comes to your fan affiliations, right? Whereas I am on the other side of the coin. My Mets got swept by the Braves. My Lions lost to your Seahawks. Uh, you, on the other hand, saw your Seattle Seahawks get a victory in a fantastic game. And you saw some history made for the first time since 2001. The Seattle Mariners clinched a spot in the postseason. So uh, here you go. I'm, I'm giving you your uh, your 30 seconds of, of FaceTime, as they would say, on Around the Horn. Uh, it was a very special moment Friday night. You know, uh, I've got the MLB uh, ticket thing, but you cannot watch the Oakland A's <laughs> because they're blacked out in Hawaii for obvious reasons, the dumbest, right? One of the dumbest things ever, the, the blackout rules that include Hawaii. Anyway, go for yeah, it. Yeah, so we had to go somewhere uh, to go watch it and stuff. And um, in typical Seattle fashion this year, tie game, bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, pinch hit, walk-off home run to start. Just an incredible celebration that went on for, I mean, the team was out there on the field an hour after the game celebrating with the fans. It's the first time that they're going to make the playoffs since I went to UW for my freshman year of college, which is, I mean, that seems like more than 20 years ago. I don't even remember it, basically, for, for many reasons. But uh, but it was. It was, it was, it was it 21 was, right. years it ago. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was 21 years ago. And we well, can do the math, actually. Right yeah, now. yeah. And it's, uh, 
it's just an awesome moment, man. It's uh, I've been saying like I'm I'm a basketball guy and I'm a football guy first, but baseball is this unique sport where you get to watch for 162 games in a season and you kind of develop a little bit when you watch every day you kind of develop a little bit of a connection to a team that's gone through so much heartache over the last 20 years too so to see them finally get a chance to play in the playoffs um we'll see i'll tell you one thing though there's a good chance that they're not going to get to play a home game in the first round there's a good chance they're probably going to play at toronto so i've been asking even if they make the playoffs but they don't get to bring a home playoff game to t-mobile park does it really count, Kanoa? Does it really count when you don't give your home fans one playoff game mm. they get to go to? That's interesting. You know, another funny th- or fun thing to do is uh, when you break down, when it's been that long, right? You look back on, all right, what was going on in 2001? <laughs> A young, bright-eyed, yeah. bushy-haired Billy Hull was was transitioning to his college years in Seattle at UW. Uh, I looked up the retail gasoline prices. Uh, they were like about a buck fifty. Uh, back then in, in 2001. Uh, you look at the 2001 top grossing movies, and the number one movie was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That was like the same year that like Shrek came out and Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour 2. Oh, and one of your faves, Pearl Harbor. That was another uh, That was another big time movie there in 2001. Yeah, one of the most disappointing. I remember being so excited for that movie, and it didn't <laughs> quite work out the way I had hoped. No, but it was, um, you know, they clinched. It was a, a week after 9-11, I think, so it was also kind of a weird time. That mm-hmm. was also the year that they won 116 games. Yeah. So uh, that was one of the best teams of all time, and they couldn't even make the World Series in, in typical Seattle fashion. But, uh, yeah, just to be able to know that this weekend – I'll be watching a playoff game with my Mariners. You'll be watching a playoff game with your Mets. So I know it wasn't a good weekend for the Mets, yeah, but look, they're still in. Is, they're still everything in. is still in front of us. Yeah. And, um, very exciting times in the Pacific Northwest. All right. Well, we'll uh, let's hit the phone lines here again. 808-296-1420 is the number. We have Tom, who uh, we are told is calling in. Talk a little bit uh, Seattle football. Seahawks and Geno Smith. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. How's it going? Going well. Um, I just wanted to say that. Gino's kind of surprised me this year, and, you know, he's played really well under the circumstances that they are, and, you know, I give the guy credit. He put up 48 points last week against, you know, not all the best defense in the Detroit Lions, but, hey, it's something to look at. Yeah, like, if if, if Detroit even had, like, a like a bad defense, like, if their defense was, like, kind of brutal, they'd still maybe be 2-2, two and two, maybe 3-1, and one, but they're like the worst. It's like one of the worst Swiss cheese defense. They should rename the, the city to Detroit because there's uh, there's no D. You know what I mean? You guys get it? All right. Well, definitely. It's pretty pretty heartbreaking to see Detroit clawing, clawing and fighting all year long, and then you know they lose because of their defense, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> I, know. But, I know. Right, but let's not, take, let's not take all the credit away from Geno Smith. He's actually looked really good, and I actually posed the question. I believe I texted you, Kanoa, yesterday. Right now, right now, today, right now, if you need to win a game next week, and I'll ask, I'll ask the person who called in, are you taking Geno Smith or are you taking Russell Wilson right now? All right. Well, I, I, you want to let oh. – is Tom still on the line? Do we still have time? All right, Tom, you want to give that a go? And I, I gave you my answer via text. Who are you picking? Russell Wilson without a doubt. Oh, yeah, Russell. I mean, That's come on, even... right? Have you guys been you watching know, this guy? Gina's been playing really well, but, you know, Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and you can't take anything away from that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Thanks a lot, Tommy. I appreciate the call. And, and yeah, um, I guess you're a Seahawks fan, I'm presuming, so congrats on that. Um 
Yeah, I mean, it's still Russell Wilson, right? I, I, maybe, I gave you the uh, the one sort of um, caveat to that, though, where I said, all right, yeah, I'm taking Russell Wilson, but I'm taking the Russell Wilson that's not coached by Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> uh, give me that Russell Wilson, because it has been uh, pretty pretty brutal here in the early goings for, for Russ. I, I do think that he started to show a little bit more of his normal self uh, against the Raiders. The Raiders needed a victory, right? And they got it. They weren't like going to be an 0-4 team, so I just kind of felt like, all right, you know, that, that game kind of went the way you would maybe think that it would. You got the injury to Javante Williams as well. Melvin Gordon just can't hang on to the football. And so there are other things in, in uh, you know, Mile High Stadium that are, are, are issues uh, for, for the Broncos here going forward. But uh, you look at their wins uh, against a Texans team that is kind of looking competitive. 49ers, who are always competitive. The two wins for uh, your man, Geno Smith, uh, they are against the Broncos in week one and my Lions, as much as I hate to, to pound on my own team. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you measure those two wins, d- d- does that change the math a little bit? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think I, I just, you know, I go back to and it's kind of the thing that I think a lot of Seahawks fans, I think we're in a little bit of denial and stuff is that, Hey, before the trade and even last year before he got hurt, he hadn't really been playing that well. If you really go back and look at the way he played, you know, all of last year and then really the second half of 2020, like he had this big – I remember the first eight games of 2020, we were talking to MVP with him, and then he really, really, really kind of slowed down and he just – you know, he, he did struggle. I know he had the finger injury and he came back, but he just kind of didn't look at it the same. And then you watch him this year, you know, a little bit. You know, he ran a little bit yesterday, but just some of the throws that I thought – I mean, he used to be so accurate. He used to blow me over the way with his accuracy. And, mm-hmm. It just seems like that playmaking, we haven't really seen that playmaking ability with him. And if you take that away from him and you limit him to being a pocket passer, it could be a little bit rough. So, you know, I'm kind of curious how Denver's feeling now. I mean, they paid him a big amount of money. They're going to be with him for the next five years. They gave up a lot. The Seahawks got a lot in that trade. So, as a Seahawks fan right now, I'm feeling kind of good about that trade. So, and I'm curious how Denver fans are feeling about uh maybe knowing that they're going to have Russell as their quarterback for five more years. I think Denver fans are, are feeling like, okay, maybe this is still a work in progress. Uh, what may turn them off um, is this, did you see this like Subway sandwich TikTok video that Russ put out? I don't know. The, the dude is like Velveeta cheesy, man. Like there's no denying it. Like his, the cheese he provides could actually be put on a Subway sandwich. Uh, he he did this TikTok. I don't know how many people out there saw it, but it is just like cringeworthy where he's like eating a sandwich and he's talking first person to the camera it's very silent and he's calling the sandwich a danger witch right because that's a playoff of his nickname danger russ and he's like what's the most dangerous thing you've done and he like pauses to hear this like imaginary answer from the the person on the other side of the screen and then he goes whoa that does sound dangerous and he takes like a weird bite out of his sandwich like it's the weirdest thing ever and so like hey look you know russell wilson his play on the field is one thing i do feel like they're gonna figure something out they do have some weapons in the passing game there uh, I just think Nathaniel Hackett has proven that he might not be able to hack it as a head coach, and so that's something that they're going to have to overcome. But if you want to knock on Russ, knock on those videos that he's putting out, the Subway sandwich one, yeesh. Yeah, I've, I, it's so funny. I've really had the full experience with him because he's always kind of been like that, but when he's your quarterback <laughs> and he's playing as good as he was, you're not going to say anything. Let him do whatever he wants, but it's just kind of the ultimate personality. And we talked about polarizing quarterbacks in the NFL, or this is kind of part of it with him is, when he's suddenly not playing that well, and then you kind of see these other things he's doing, right? He's got Sierra, his wife, and kind of that whole lifestyle and stuff, and the clothes he's wearing and the video he's putting out, showing up to these different games all decked out and in these suits and all that. It just, you know, it's one of those things where it really is the kind of personality where when you're winning – 
It's all good. And when you're losing, boy, you're going to be quick to pounce on them. That is 100% right. And, and meanwhile, you just see some of the quarterback play elsewhere in the league. And, like, Patrick Mahomes, right, oh, what, what he did. I mean, that, that, that play yesterday where he's, like, running around, spinning away, makes like he's about to lunge for the pylon and then just tosses it, like shoots the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. And that's going to be, like, you know, uh, we haven't seen – those are like the highlights that you see on an almost monthly basis from Patrick Mahomes. Like it is crazy what this guy can do. And then you have Tom Brady at 45 years old who still throws for over 350 or whatever it was with three touchdowns in a losing effort, still gets spanked by the Chiefs. And it's like, wow, the quarterback play in some regions of the NFL is just mind blowing. No, totally. And, and actually, to go back to Russ, like that's kind of what I'm talking about. Where that, I mean, he he can make. Maybe not as many of the throws, the types of throws that Patrick Mahomes makes, but from eluding the defense and running around and scrambling and throwing those deep balls, that was his game, man. That's what made him special, and we just haven't seen a whole lot of that the last couple of years. You feel like he's lost some of that athleticism, or is it just more the circumstances around him? I, I mean, I do. It, it, it's it's kind of you know we just haven't really seen it a whole lot, and I believe I think he's almost is he 34, 35 now, so he's in his. You're giving a guy in your mid 30s, and look, sometimes it happens. I know Tom Brady's out there at 45 <laughs> doing things. LeBron's entering his 20th year in the NBA. Aaron Rodgers is what almost 40, and and some guys can do that, but you also see some guys that just that can you know. And Russell's a small guy. He's taken a lot of hits in his career. I mean, you think he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL for years, behind some of those Seahawks offensive lines. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, it's a little bit tough to see. But, yeah, that, that kind of athleticism is something I'm still waiting to kind of see him. Uh, and I'm hoping – I hope he still has got it. But um, I'd be – like I said, I'd be a little worried if I was a Broncos fan. I know, but doesn't that sound a little weird what you just said? It where does. you're just like, yeah, I mean, he was one of the most hit quarterbacks, the most sack quarterbacks behind that Seattle line. And then you're in the same breath going, yeah, and I think he's lost a little bit because of those. It's like, well, that's because of you guys. It's because of the front office not protecting him. Like, of course he wouldn't last that long. But I think the, the final point being – that what the the product in Russell Wilson that the Denver Broncos are working with might not be the same product that Seattle for so many years I think was very fortunate to have behind center because you're right when he was right um, that was like one of the yeah. most majestic beautiful deep bomb passes uh, that we've ever seen in the NFL yeah and I'll be the first guy to say that I know that the Seahawks won that Super Bowl with that great they had great defenses for those two Super Bowls and everything but it also was Russell Wilson was really really good and he I did not think he got the credit he deserved at that time for how good he was coming into the league right away everyone kind of wanted to credit the defense and then in the years after that I really felt that he was a top three top four quarterback in the NFL so look I was as big of a fan as his I appreciate him you know I thought he was he was tremendous but yeah, I'm just, you know, just not seeing what we used to see out of him. Well, I uh, definitely want to congratulate you again on the victory. And hey, look, man, enjoy the rest of this seven-win season in Seattle. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think, uh, with Geno Smith. Just just continuing to blossom behind center. That's pretty rich coming from a Detroit Lions fan. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I know. The I audacity, mean, right? I walk in here. I walk in here. I haven't been in the studio five seconds. And Detroit guy who just lost a game, whose team has given up more points than anyone, like, I don't know, in the history of football has given me grief. Come on, man. Yeah, that's right. That's true. The, the the onions that I have, right? I mean, the sheer audacity of, of talking smack from the corner of my fan affiliation as a, as a Detroit Lions fan. You're right. That's that's probably um, that's probably worse than any kind of insult uh, I could uh, put together here. We have a text message, by the way, uh, via the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. Denver fan here. I think Russell will be fine. O-line wasn't exactly helping him last game. Receivers had some key drops. That's true. Melvin Gordon needs to go. That might actually be a, a pretty legit point there. Uh, he's a chronic fumbler for multiple seasons already, and they're going to have to roll
role with him, uh, primarily uh, with the injury to Javante Williams. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's not ideal over there. Who's, who's the other um, Mike? Uh, who's the other running back they have back in, in Denver? Like Mike. Uh, Oh, gosh, what is the last name? I can't think of it at the moment. But um, but they, he looked like he got 10 carries as well, along with Melvin Gordon yesterday, um, and looked like you know he could possibly do some stuff here uh, in lieu of Javante Williams' availability. So I kind of think the same way as that texter, that Denver's going to end up being all right. Russell Wilson will look more like Russ than otherwise going forward. But, uh, hey, uh, this is a weird uh, year it's looking like in the NFL. It's, it's, it's wild stuff. Before we move on, though, let's uh, remind everybody that Domino's Hawaii is here fighting inflation with you this week's special is when you buy two or more items they're still only $7.99 when you order online or on the domino's app let's talk sports with kanoa Lehi is brought to you by domino's pizza of hawaii we deliver aloha all right when we come back we'll get into some of the tua talk and some of the latest news on that front you're listening to let's talk sports Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu being joined by my man Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. We moved BTS Wednesday to BTS Monday. That's Billy Talk Sports uh, because Wednesday we're preempted due to Major League Baseball coverage. We're going to get into the postseason, so that's going to happen from time to time as well. A little bit of a programming note going forward uh, regarding the show. Again, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line. We got a text from Junior from Papakolea saying, are these guys from Iolani Intelligent Sports Talk? I'm not sure if he's being sarcastic, but uh, we are both Iolani graduates, yes. We are, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure he's totally meaning that either. But uh, thank you for the text. I want to shout out the previous texter. Please text him to the show. But a uh, Denver fan, I just want to point out here, I'm looking at the pro football focus quarterback rankings. Uh, we got Tua at number four, Jalen Hurts number three, Josh Allen number two. Number one in the NFL through four weeks, Geno Smith, 84.5. And if you're curious, Denver's starting quarterback, 24th. 24th. Got it, got it. Well, if Geno Smith avoids getting punched uh, in the (laughs) face by a teammate here the rest of the season, then maybe he'll uh, stay up there near the top of the list. Of course, he's had some issues with that uh, in the past. And how about this, right? Billy Hull, does he get comfortable uh, in a BTS day situation on this show or what? All we did for the first segment, basically, (laughs) was congratulate this guy, the Seattle-loving sports fan that he is, right? A guy who attended University of Washington. His Seahawks beat my Lions yesterday. His Mariners clinch a playoff spot for the first time since the Neolithic era. And here I am during a commercial break and I look at Billy and what do you say to me? You say, um, how about a little love for my six pack of picks? Like how much more praise can you receive here for one show, Billy? There can never be enough, but I, you know, we did, we talked about the Mariners. That's great. The Seahawks being the Lions. That's great. But let's get to what really matters. If you if you listen to us on Wednesdays, we've been giving out six NFL picks a week, and uh, going into tonight's Monday night game, five and zero over here yeah, against Billy's the spread. Five and zero. What am I? Fifteen and eight against the spread. So, now let's talk about the things that really matter. <laughs> Fifteen and eight against the spread so far. I'm feeling good. So I, we're going for the clean sweep we talked about tonight. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So and and I went. I've been four and one here so far. The one game that we differed on thus far was uh, you know I picked with the heart, went with my Lions, um, and they of course lost to the Seahawks. And so yeah, tonight we're also on opposite sides here in this game. Right, Rams and and Forty Niners. Uh, yeah, Rams and 49ers. You took the you took the Niners. I, I got did. The Rams. I yeah. did take the Niners. I, I'm I'm not really too <laughs> sure about that. Uh, and now, so obviously, uh, 
sports betting is now federally uh, allowed and legal, but there are still states that uh, have rules against it. So I guess we still should throw out the four um, – Entertainment purposes oh, yeah. only. Entertain- of yeah. course, entertainment but if you happen only, to be listening, if you happen to be listening from a place where it is legal to do so, I mean, if you've been following Billy Hull, um, you might be in for like a new mansion by this point <laughs> or something like that, right? I keep saying, you know, those guys that do those radio shows where they just give out their picks and they try to get you to call in and they're charging you. <laughs> this is free, baby. Every week, <laughs> let's talk sports. Free picks. Free, free. Yeah. Just for the people of Hawaii. Free picks from the very humble Billy Hull. <laughs> All right, um, I do want to switch gears a little bit because uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa obviously has been in the news uh, and the way the Miami Dolphins and really kind of the the concussion protocol that's built in to all of these NFL games, uh, it appears as though there's been some kind of a breakdown somewhere along the way. Uh, You had what was the... um, the doctor, the independent doctor, or the actual technical term is unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant that was involved in that game, which is basically jointly hired by both the NFL and the NFLPA, and thus the NFLPA has the latitude to be able to fire these individuals uh, without getting any kind of approval from the league, and so that actually has happened. The doctor who cleared Tua Tonga-Vailoa from concussion protocol has been fired. The investigation by the NFLPA into the handling of the situation when Tua was playing um, against the Bills is still being looked at. And then, of course, you fast forward, and uh, it was uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa against the Cincinnati Bengals. He got tossed again on the field, and that's when it was a really horrifying scene. Uh, And so as of now, he is still in concussion protocol. Um, Mike McDaniel, the head coach today, basically saying that Tua is inactive for week five, but going forward after that, it is pending. We're hearing reports uh, from various corners that uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is doing well. He's at the uh, team's facility, and and, and so this story's still unraveling here. Uh, But uh, one of your colleagues uh, over at the Honolulu Star Advertiser, Curtis Moriyama, he wrote a column that I thought was kind of interesting where uh, basically he's suggesting, hey, look, we're all complicit in this football culture that has been cultivated over many, many decades, right? This kind of like tough guy, unless you're absolutely injured and you have limbs that are just barely hanging on, you go back out there onto the field. And yeah, there was, I think, some level of inspiration by the idea of toughing it out. But as we have learned more about head trauma and the long-term effects potentially of concussions. That's why the NFL um, has decided to at least attempt to change the paradigm a little bit and at least show, at least try for the sake of of optics, uh, try to put up guardrails here uh, to protect these players uh, when it comes to these concussion situations. And and I just, I kind of thought it was an interesting column from that vantage point uh, because it's almost like the more things change the more they stay the same and one of the points that Curtis made was there's so much money in this game right and so I think we're getting uh, to a situation where some of these players uh, if you asked them like what's your choice what would you like to do a lot of them would go back out there after suffering what could have been a concussion because there's just so much on the line for them financially and successfully moving forward. Yeah, totally. And that's why I think that there are these um, things that are supposed to be in place to take it out of the player's hands, right? Like when you get hurt, you walk over, what do they do, right? Don't they take your helmet right away and they don't give it back to you and you got to do all the stuff you do with the doctors or whatever. And I really think that in in today's age, there has been a lot done to kind of make the league safer. I mean, we were at a point, it was just maybe like five years ago, where remember people were talking about like, hey, 
Um, I can't let my kid play football. Like, it's just too dangerous. And there really was kind of a little bit of this thing. Like, are we going to see now participation really slow down? Is this going to hurt the game? And I think the NFL realized that. And so they've there's been a lot of different things, right? They've got new helmets now that are safer. And there's all these protocols that, that, that they've done. And it's been a good thing. And sure. I think it's kind of tried to change the way we kind of uh, – the culture around the sport. But what, I think it's clear now that there was a major, major mishandling of this in Miami for Tua. And, look, part of the reason I think – it was a really scary thing when he got hurt on Thursday, and part of it was not just – I know his fingers kind of did that thing. and The, that's the what fencing posture, yeah. But there was also an underlying thing in everyone's mind watching that game of what just took place four days ago, and I think that combined with the, 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 the way it looked on TV is what really had people legitimately scared is that this guy was out there playing. And I, and I know that some people like to say, hey, you know, where was everyone talking about it before the game? And there were a couple of people that came out and did that, but the reality is – you know, we're not all focused on the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback every day of our lives, but you know who is? The Miami Dolphins. Yeah. They're focused on it every single day, and they should have uh, probably definitely taken care of this a lot better. And, and you're right, it's been a little weird the way they've come out and been so voice, voicefully against kind of the notion that they might have done something yeah, wrong, you know, yeah. which is a little bit weird. Very strong stance taken by Mike McDaniel, really, uh, as, as, as kind of the head coach in the face of all of this. He has doubled down repeatedly, maybe even tripled down on the fact that, no, there was no head trauma based on everything that we were uh, being given in, in informationally. Uh, but now we see what has transpired with the NFLPA making this move, firing the independent doctor. And so, um, yeah, just a lot of questions. It, it's Chris Collinsworth said something really great, I thought, on the Sunday night game where he said, you know, this has to pass the eye test from the fans' perspective, and I think that's where there's this disconnect. Like we saw with our own eyes, this guy stumbling as he was trying to get back onto his feet in that game against the Bills, and then we're told, "Oh, it's a back and slash ankle issue," and it just didn't vibe. And then worst case scenario occurs, and we see this horrific scene on Thursday Night Football. And so the response has been very emotional and very visceral. Even Rex Ryan on the pregame show with ESPN yesterday. He was saying, hey, look, I treated all of my players like they were my sons. He goes, I would ask Mike McDaniel that. Would you put your son back out onto the field in that game after seeing what transpired against the Bills? Um, and and he said, I, I certainly wouldn't. He said, I wouldn't put any of my players, I wouldn't put anybody else's son out there on the field. And, you know, that was maybe a little bit of grandstanding in the moment, uh, a little bit of drama there for that pregame show. That, uh, that he was doing, but I think there are some valid points in there uh, that Rex Ryan was making. Yeah, and I think that there's no question where what's going to be really interesting moving forward now is how Miami's going to treat this. Like, I'm not surprised at all that they came out Monday morning and said, boom, he's already out for next week. I think that's kind of um, was obvious to do. But it's going to be really interesting how they kind of handle it moving forward and, and how much time he's going to need because now we've kind of gotten – and there's been a lot of, you know, the the, the social media doctors, right, the Twitter doctors yeah, saying he needs yeah. to stay out X amount of time when the reality is I don't really know, you know, what really to do here. And I'm not sure – that I really trust the Miami Dolphins right now mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to be able to do what's right. I hope that, you know, that Tua and his family and, – and, and, and now we get the whole weird part because you know what Tua wants to do, I bet? I bet he wants to play this week. 100%. You know? 100% he wants to get back out there. And so this is kind of where you get into that weird thing of like, you know, who do you trust? You, can, you can't trust a player. He wants to get out there. You can't trust a team. They want him to get out there. How do you kind of handle this moving forward? So I'm going to be really interested uh, to, see, to see what they do because me – as a fan, as a guy who covered him in high school and has watched him in his in his career and now in the NFL, I'm like, I think he should probably be out a while. But at the same time, I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly how to handle this kind of thing. And I think concussions and all that stuff is still – you get the total whole spectrum, right? You have Christopher Nowinski coming out and saying, like, 
and this is awful. They could be like murder charges or whatever. And they have other people saying, you know, a couple of weeks and you should go back. So it's just it's just a whole gray area, a whole bunch of unknown that that we really kind of don't know exactly. Exactly, there is no set way to handle this. Yeah, and this what was attempted to be this kind of paradigm shift on the part of the NFL to change the the culture around concussions and at least the the discussion and the discourse around concussions. What do we do with something like this? Uh, this was part of Curtis Moriyama's column. Was a quote from Lashawn McCoy, retired. NFL running back on FS1 uh, basically saying if he was given a pass to go back out into the game after a supposed concussion and he went out there and then he asked if I were in that situation today would I do it the same way he says yeah absolutely I would he says that was what I uh, was committed to doing for my family was the way that that he phrased it he said I would sacrifice my body my head my arm my knees for my family he goes my parents now they're both retired my children private schools I'm comfortable I'm happy I would do that for my family basically Basically, he is saying, yeah, uh, we were aware of some of the long-term potential effects, but the money is so big and it's so good and the window of opportunity to make that kind of money as a player is so small when you compare it to some of the doctors that are involved with these decisions and they can serve as neurologists for 30 to 50 years. He says our opportunity to make money as football players is so tiny. That window is so is, is such a small little crack in time that we have to almost put ourselves in that position. What do we do with that when you're talking about changing the culture? Well, I think that's 100% why you've got to take it out of the players' hands. It ultimately can't be a decision that they make. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And it also shows that they, for whatever reason, they need to get the situation straight with these these independent doctors because, it, I mean, they're right. These are clearly the people that need to be making the decisions because they don't have any skin in the game like the team does, like the player does. And ultimately, look, the NFL is at risk. We've seen all the stuff over the last few years about players trying to come back and, you know, all the legal stuff about trying to help and pay for their stuff and everything. And the NFL has to be really, really, really careful here. And I think that's why, you know, going back to the Sustua situation is, I think more needs to come out about exactly what this independent doctor did. And, and he's obviously been fired. But, I mean, I think we need to know because, I mean, heads really need to roll. These yeah. people, these, these athletes really, really need to be protected for their own sake. And I think uh, that's kind of the big part of this thing that, that we need to kind of get a little more inf- information on was what exactly did this independent doctor do? Exactly. Because if that's part of the guardrail system that was implemented, then you're talking about something that systemically uh, – Went, went awry and, and something that was built in that broke somehow along the way. So, yeah, a lot more information uh, to get from that. But, yeah, going back to Rex Ryan, to your point, uh, that's what he was kind of suggesting when when referring to Mike McDaniel, saying, hey, look, you're the head coach. You're the last line of defense. And so sometimes you get some of these medical experts that are t- giving you information, but you also know what you saw with your own eyes, and sometimes you have to protect players from themselves. I think that's sort of the key here, but it is such a gray area. It is such a judgment call, uh, and obviously this whole thing is still very much a work in progress as far as our knowledge of it. All right, a reminder, listen to the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Ask our weekly fantasy experts for advice on your team and win NFL memorabilia Wednesdays at 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. Well, you know, sometimes you watch sports throughout a weekend and you just see things that make you go, what the bleep? So that's what we're going to do on the other side of this break. We're going to play what the bleep. 
All right, we're back here. It is a special edition BTS Monday. Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Billy Talk Sports here on this edition of Let's Talk Sports is in the house. Uh, let's get right to it because uh, I was saying what the bleep at a lot of things here this past weekend. And so that's the name of the game. Josh Pacheco, take us through it. Yeah, I think a lot of people were saying what the bleep to this. Uh, John Harbaugh dis- defending his decision not to kick a field goal and go for it on fourth and goal in a tied game and what would eventually be a loss to the Buffalo Bills. What the bleepity bleep. Yeah, it was just over four minutes left. They were on the two-yard line. It was fourth and goal. He decides instead of kicking the field goal and taking the 23-20 lead and sort of having that padding at least, forcing the Bills to have to score a touchdown to win the game, uh, they go for it. He claimed that it was based on analytics and those calculations. He said it was a good call. Uh, There was a little bit of uh, Pelikia on the sideline. There were some Ravens players, Peters being one of them, uh, who apparently was like very upset at the decision that was made. To me, it showed a lack of belief and faith in your defense. Uh, And so I just think that that was the wrong call. Why not just take the lead with four minutes left in a game uh, at home, especially against the Buffalo Bills? You give Josh Allen a chance to not have to march the entirety of the field, just get into field goal range. And ultimately, they got on the doorstep as well of the end zone and kicked the game winning field goal. So, yeah, it was a bad call with the bleep. I'm going to try to defend it here. Um, I... Look, I like being aggressive. I like the, I like going for it down on the goal line. I know there's four minutes left in the game. Clearly, he doesn't trust his defense, and I think you saw with Marcus Peters' reaction that they knew that they didn't trust the defense either. But, look, you're playing Josh Allen. You're playing the Bills. If you score the touchdown here, if you're able to punch it in, that's a seven-point lead with four minutes to go. You make that Bills offense have to go the entire length of the field just to tie it. You got Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. Maybe the play call would have changed a little bit. But I understand being aggressive at that point. What's three points? The Bills are going to get the ball. They only need like 30, 40 yards to kick a field goal. They had plenty of time. I like the aggressive nature of it. I like going out there and trying to get the win. I don't hate it as much as other people do. I just don't know how. I mean, I'd have to see these these analytics that said like, oh, you are better off going for it on fourth and two uh, in in overall winning the game than taking the lead with four minutes left. I got to see that. And how much is that calculation adjusted when the play call is a straight drop back by Lamar Jackson instead of rolling him out and letting him do something special in that way? Like, I just I just don't get it. You have to also remember too, you know, if they don't get it. You're pinning them at the two-yard line. That's what he was thinking. Which I also I kind of like, and I've seen in certain situations that that's worked out. When you let the team start after the kickoff or touchback or whatever, force them back at the two-yard line and go, and I think there's a little bit to factor in there. Also, the difference between a seven-point, three-point lead. Sure. Look, I don't love it. I don't love it, but I sort of get it in this new wave of analytics that we're seeing. Yeah, Lamar Jackson instead threw the pick, and so it was a touchback. They got it at the 20, and so, yeah, it, it was a bit of a different dynamic after the fact. But, I mean, no, what the bleep? What are you even talking about, Billy? What the bleep? All right, what's next, Josh? Uh, uh, what's next? Uh, Major League baseball shameless plug uh yankees rangers coming up after uh, this broadcast is done as we watch for aaron judge go for number 62 but on that coverage of judge cutting into college football broadcasts on several networks including espn and abc but not cutting into NFL games. What the bleep? Yeah, I mean, it's just funny. For, there are a couple of levels of what the bleep. Like, of course, they're not going to cut into the NFL. The NFL is like, bleep that, all right? No, we're the NFL. Nobody's cutting in from baseball to our stuff, all right? Just get out of here with that. The cut-ins to college football are interesting, too, because I'm not sure if there's as much crossover MLB fans and people who are wondering about Aaron Judge and people who are watching, you know, a random Kentucky game or something like that. Like, I, that, that is a little bit of, of a head scratch. And also, 
you know, this Aaron Judge thing has gone on for a while, and what are we talking about for him to be like, what, have like the seventh or sixth highest single season home run total of all time? Like, what's going on here? This is this is ridiculous. Is he breaking Barry Bonds' record? <laughs> I didn't know about it. Oh, it's the American League home run thing. Who cares? I guess he's a Yankee, and That's so what we've got to pretend it's all this big thing, but... No more cut-ins. Get him off my TV. I don't even care about 62 or 61. Is it? Is it? The, is it the record? Is it MBZ breaking Barry Bonds' record? No. Get off my television. I mean, I'm interested in it. I want to see Judge do this. Uh, I do think it's solely because he is a Yankee, though, that there is this uh, interest and this this motivation on the part of broadcasters to cut in. If he was playing for the Royals, they'd be like, forget that. But uh, I am interested. I just don't really understand the logic behind the cut-ins on a college football game. And of course, if they're going to suggest doing it on an NFL. Game, the NFL peeps are like, no, you're not doing that to us. All right, do we have time to squeeze in one more, Josh? Yeah, let's do a speed round of what the bleep here. The Lions have scored the most points of any team in the NFL and are one in three. What the bleep? Yeah, so uh, I saw some stat. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but apparently they're like the first team in NFL history to both score and give up over 140 points in the first four weeks of the NFL season. So, yeah, kudos to them. They can score. It's kind of exciting. They've been playing some fun games to watch, but in the end, uh, Heartbreak Hotel, once again, for the Motor City. Yeah, as a Seahawks fan who has too many Seahawks on his fantasy football team, thank you very much for the uh, Detroit in week four. I, I did pretty well this week. Yeah, well, I mean, I did have Hawkinson on one of my fantasy teams, so that helped. And I did have Rashad Penny on one of my other ones, so that did help. But no, yeah, th- this, that is a major what the bleep, and I feel so bad for Dan Campbell. Love the guy. I think everyone's sort of fallen in love with him somehow, even if we don't really understand everything that he always talks about and doesn't really make all that much sense every time. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I think he's he's likable. This team's likable. They just don't know how to win man and they have like the worst defense ever right now i just realized that they were missing their two their two best receivers and their starting running back deandre swift they still scored 45 against the seahawks <laughs> yeah. oh with boy. jared goff oh mind man. you all Ooh. right well that uh segment was bleeping fantastic so we're gonna go ahead and take a break <laughs> and we'll wrap things up when we come back but first a reminder stop by Gr- dixie grill in IA for monday night football we might head there here this evening you can get 32 ounce bud lights for just six bucks plus complimentary popcorn and southern inspired football poopoos then from 7 to 9 p.m after the game you can win prizes with dixie grills trivia night hosted by geeks who drink you know you and i love us a good uh, trivia night there billy hull so uh, yeah go check Check out Dixie Grill. We'll have our best and worst when we come back. Anyone who has ever needed self-storage knows what a hassle it can be. You have to rent or borrow a truck and then find someone to help you move your stuff. And let's face it, moving furniture and heavy items without damaging them isn't easy. Renting the unit is worse. The hidden fees and admin costs are scarier than the dingy facilities you're leaving your stuff in. Why not use Closet Box instead? Closet Box is self-storage without leaving home. They'll pick up your belongings, store them securely, and bring any item back when you need it. The best part? Unlike traditional self-storage, you only pay for what you store. No paying for unused storage space. Closet Box's background check storage movers are licensed, bonded, and insured and will take care of all of the heavy lifting. Closet Box's local storage centers are temperature controlled and monitored 24-7. Closet Box has an A-plus rating from the BBB. Call 877-233-5696 now for the season's best rates. Get $50 off first month storage using code RADIO50. That's 877-233-5696. 877-233-5696. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Follow us on our social media platforms for the Scoring Live ESPN Honolulu scoreboard. Get the final score of every prep football game Friday and Saturday nights. The scoreboard is made possible by BMW of Honolulu and Ron D. Solar Services. Got my man Billy Hull in the house. It is our home stretch. It is time for our best and worst to end the show. So let's start with our worst and end on a positive note. What's your worst? All right, Liz, I'm sure you saw this Sunday night baseball, the Braves and the Mets. The Braves are beating the Mets in the eighth inning. Edwin Diaz, my boy with the best walkout music in baseball, is out there pitching. The Braves bring up William Contreras, and what do they do? They make his walk up Edwin Diaz's walkout song, the Narco song by Timmy Trump. It's the cool, I mean, unbelievable. They'd have the audacity to do this against Ed, Edwin Diaz. So, what does he do? 91 slider right down the middle, paints a 100 mile power fastball. <laughs> they zoom in on Contreras' face at 0-2, and he knows right away he's got no chance. <laughs> slider, strike three, pathetic effort against Diaz, but good for him. To have the audacity to actually play that music against Edwin Diaz, come on, man. Yeah. That's terrible. That was a big time trolling uh, attempt there. And yeah, Edwin Diaz won that battle, but uh, that leads to my worst, which is uh, the Braves. Uh, they won the war. They pull off the series sweep, and that's about the best one, two, three punch, certainly as, as far as starting pitching is concerned, that the Mets can can throw at them. Uh, Mets are now down two in the NLE standings. They're still playoff bound, but uh, yeah, it would have been nicer if they could have uh, gotten a little bit of wiggle room with the division win. Uh, but that said, that's my uh, that's my definitive worst. <laughs> Uh, I feel I feel bad for him, but like I said, I guess if it's because if you're a Mariners fan, the wild card's good enough for me. You got that pitch in. The Mets got a chance, man. All right. Well, let's uh, flip it over to our best. Uh, what's your best? All right. I got to give it to the TCU social media people. TCU football, they played Oklahoma. And just real quick, prayers up for Dylan Gabriel. This whole thing with oh, the white quarterbacks, just a vicious late hit. I was really unfortunate. So hope he's doing okay. But the TCU social media people, as they were racking up the points against Oklahoma, they send out a tweet. It says, um, who hits who hits 62 first, like for TCU against Oklahoma or RT for Aaron Judge? So throwing a little shade at Oklahoma for running 62 up on him, throwing a little shade at Aaron Judge for still not hitting number 62. Um, I like it. I like when they get a little creative on those college uh, social media school pages. So yeah. props to TCU. Yeah, that uh, Dylan Gabriel hit was pretty egregious. And it's sometimes it's like you look at football and it's like, what are, what are we doing here? I, I looked on ESPN.com this morning and like the, you know how they have the top headline section? Oh. And I was looking at it and all but like one. One of the headlines was somehow uh, referring to a football injury. It was like talking about Tonga Vailoa, uh, talking about Javante Williams, LSU's banks out five to six weeks, uh, Georgia star Carter out one to two weeks, uh, you know, QB Young, uh, Bryce Young, day to day. It's like sometimes you, you watch this sport and it's so brutal, it's so violent, you're like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and that's why Curtis has a point because we all read that and we're not thinking about the player. We're thinking about how does it affect our fantasy team? How yeah. does it affect my favorite team? Yeah, so that's right. We're all, we're all a part we're complicit all yeah. right well my best is hey you know what i also love great football uniforms and byu <laughs> takes the cake on what was an incredible jersey reveal you got to go on social media and check this thing out uh, so they were at the ufc apex arena and they brought this uh, vegas magician out i guess the guy who won america's got talent and so basically he had a bunch of byu players in the classic blue jerseys pukunakua was one of them and then this magician does this kind of magic trick to unveil the new jersey and it is sick they're wearing these uh, these these new jerseys for this game that's taking place at Allegiant Stadium this week against Notre Dame. The helmets look sick. The jersey looks sick. The way the magician unveiled it was 
Mwah. Chef's kiss. Uh, props to BYU. I'm kind of liking them in this game based on that alone. <laughs> Those helmets are fire, but they must have filmed this before Saturday because I don't know if you saw Saturday there was a UFC event there and Dana White yelled at someone for suggesting that Mark Zuckerberg rented out the place. <laughs> and then when they showed the card, the only people in the crowd, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife. And his wife. Another what the bleep moment from oh the weekend. Oh my gosh, why didn't we include that? I Dana know. White, he's always good for a what the bleep moment. All right, uh, well, that's it for us. Billy Hull, thank you very much. Josh Pacheco, appreciate it. Thanks for the calls and texts, everybody. See you tomorrow. Aloha.